0: How many of you would agree that the Bible is full of examples of powerful generosity that resulted in the change of people's lives? Cover to cover, yeah. How many of you would say that when you're generous, you love the way that you feel in your spirit when you see God use you to impact somebody's life? through your generosity, whether it's money or it's time you give somebody or a talent that you have that you use to help somebody fixing a car, moving boxes in their house, something. The generosity of your life, the way that you give, you see that, Im- that impact in people's lives. It makes us feel awesome on the inside, you know, because we're able to share that love that we have inside of us in a, in a practical way and see it impact somebody's life. How many of you would say that your life has been benefited because of the generosity of someone else? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, absolutely. I know, I know mine has. Um, I'm thinking that in particular, when I was in my early 20s, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life during that time. I think it's about that time we all start asking those kind of questions, you know. I worked a couple of dead-end jobs, and... Uh, kind of felt a tug in my heart through that process to to kind of follow a calling for ministry that I felt was birthing in my life. And did some inner city outreach stuff in Atlanta, but that just wasn't what I felt like God was calling me to. I really felt like God was calling me to go to school for a couple of years, to get trained and developed so that I could just give my entire life to the gospel and to the ministry um, of Jesus. And... I didn't know how I was going to get there, man, because I I came from a family. My my parents worked hard, and they provided, and we always had food. I never worried about whether or not we were going to be outside in the cold. My parents worked hard, but we didn't have a ton of extra money. So when I was thinking about school, there wasn't resources there. I hadn't saved a lot, so there wasn't a lot of resources there for my work, working those dead-end jobs. How many of you just made a killing when you got out of high school? Yeah, me either. (laughs) Me either, working a whole lot. I I built pallets for $5 an hour for about a year and a half straight out the gun from high school. And I thought I was making big money then. I wasn't making big money. I was making big money because I was living in my mom and dad's basement, and I didn't have a whole lot of overhead, so I thought I was banking, but I wasn't. Um, I was trying to figure out how to get there. I felt called to a specific place, and things just started falling in line for me to get there, except for one obstacle— and I was, I was about three grand short on the tuition that it was going to take to get there. And I was like, God, I know you're calling me to do this. I know it's out there. I, I, I really legit feel like you want me to do this. But I didn't have the money to make it happen. And I had a conversation with a guy. Actually, he approached me and started asking me questions about my life. You know, what do you want to do? How do you want to do it? What do you feel like God's calling you to do? And I'm like, it's weird that this guy's just coming up and he's talking to me about this stuff. Because he wasn't the kind of guy that we just, I just had coffee with all the time and hung out with. I was just asking very specific questions. And he said, how much money do you need? And I told him. And he said, okay. And he sat down and he wrote out a check right then and there. And he said, here, you go do what God has called you to do. Blew me away. And, I, you know, when, when somebody blesses you like that, you get all emotional. And you're like, God, I don't deserve this. Why in the world would you do something like this? And I asked the question, why are you doing this? And he said, why would you even have to ask that question? You have a need. I have the resources. God's called us to be generous and to help each other. This is what I'm doing. He said, it looks strange to you because Christians don't do what they're supposed to do. I thought, oh, my gosh. That statement impacted my life from that moment on. I look back on my whole approach to giving and generosity and helping other people. It changed from that moment, that catalyst in my life. Somebody's generosity and pouring into my life when I didn't ask for it. Honestly, I probably didn't deserve it. You know, it's just a free gift. Changed everything with me. I was able to go out to to Texas for three, three and a half years, and get some great ministry training, build some phenomenal relationships, that gift of generosity that helped me get trained to do what God called me to do. Also led me to a place where I was going to make some great friendships with a guy named Mark Brewer. If you listen to this, Mark, I love you. Um, Scott Wilson, I love you too, dude. Uh, Ronnie Williams, a great pastor out in New Mexico. Dude, I tolerate the fact that you're an Oklahoma fan, but I love you too if you listen to this. Uh, Great relationships and friendships. Uh, Michelle Mondani, who's here this morning with her husband, would never have that relationship, that friendship with them if it hadn't been for that gift of generosity that someone showed to me. My wife, dude, I'm married right now to the awesome woman that I'm married to because somebody was generous to me and put me on a course to go to that spot where you come walking in with those hot little black boots and strut your stuff in a young adult ministry. Kelly came walking in, and I was like, hmm, something about that right there. I might need to get to know her. All of that came from one person's generosity. Thank you, thank you, thank you for writing that check, my friend. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I've got two kids now. <laughs> And they're just, most of the time, they're awesome blessings to my life when they're not going crazy and acting like they're strung out on crack. But uh, (laughs) they're great blessings, though. And all of that came from that one act of generosity. You never know how our generosity will impact the life of someone else. You never know how our generosity will not just impact the person's life that we're showing it to, but the people's lives that are going to be affected by the ripple effect of what we do in someone's life. You know, um, This is why I know that generosity is one of the most powerful tools we have for reaching people for Jesus Christ because it impacts people's lives in a way that not many other things can because it's a practical way for us to pour into someone in a way that's going to catch them off guard and blow them away and a tangible way for us to show the love of God to someone. Whether it's material, whether it's money, whether it's the giving of our time, it makes an impact. Amen? It makes a big impact. Um, and the Bible's full of it. The Bible's full of generosity. The Bible has a lot to say about about what we do with our money and how we manage it and, and, and all of that stuff and the place that it has in our heart or doesn't have in our heart. Um, you know, that when you look at Scripture, you're going to find right around 500 verses in the Bible that deal with prayer and right around 500 verses in the Bible that deal with faith. But you're going to find over 2,000 verses in the Bible that talk about money, whether it's giving monetarily or is material things. Weird. There's over 2,000 verses in the Bible. And depending on how you want to split the hair, there could be almost 2,500 verses in the Bible that deal with giving and generosity. It's interwoven all through Scripture. How many of you would say that Jesus led a perfect life? How many of you would say that Jesus is the perfect picture of generosity? Absolutely. Absolutely. And how many would you think would you would agree with this statement that we're called to live our lives in such a way that reflect the values that Jesus held and lived out in his life? Amen? So God has called us to live a generous life, I would think. But... There, there are questions that I, that I ask sometimes that they get me in trouble because we would all agree that Jesus was generous. We would all agree that we should live a generous lifestyle and we should give and we should be you know, faithful in that and we should help other people through our gifts and our talents. And then you, you look at numbers that say, give or take, approximately, right around only 4% of people that call themselves Christians consistently give To the gospel that they say that they believe in. So there's a disconnect somewhere in there. Wouldn't you agree? Alright. It just got really tense in here. Everybody take a deep breath. Alright. Today is not going to be about. If you don't give you're cursed and you're going to hell. Alright. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. But I do want to have an open conversation about this. Because I do believe. When you get right down to it. That the gospel and giving are hand-in-hand, and that giving is a gospel issue. They go hand-in. You can't separate the two of them. It's all through Scripture. It's all through Jesus' lifestyle. He's called us to live a generous life in every way that we possibly can. There's a lot of reasons for disconnect on this, and I get it. I absolutely get it. I know what it's like to have some apprehension... Because you see what's in the checking account, and then you see what needs to be paid, and then you see how many days of the month you're probably not going to have food to eat if you cut a tie check to this church or whatever church you attend. I get that. There's apprehension in that because there's a level of trust that you've got to operate in sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes, and usually it's right at the beginning. Because usually when we begin to give, our finances are so jacked up because we don't understand certain principles in Scripture. It takes us a little while to get things lined up, so we begin to see the benefit of that. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I get apprehension, and I get that there might be a little bit of fear and hesitancy. I get that, all right? I get that, um, listen, just being straight and honest, some churches have done a crappy job. In handling finances, you can say crappy in church. Is that okay? You can say that they've done a, a, a junky job, a bad job, a poor job. Now, crappy sounds better. They've done a crappy job in in handling finances. And if you have flipped through and seen any of our popular TV Chris, Christian like Christian TV channels and and all these televangelists that hop on there and talking this junk about extravagant blessing for giving just a little bit of money, sewing into their ministry, or preaching this crazy um, extreme prosperity gospel that's not founded in Scripture at all. At all. They're playing off of people's greed, and they're saying, if you really want to get that Bentley that you want, then give me $500, and God will give you a Bentley. Well, they're, they're manipulating you, and using greed as a bait for you to... They're con artists. is what they are. And we've all seen that. Boop! Radar goes up. Start detecting. So I get that that would cause apprehension and a normal thinking person to want to give to an institution or an organization, at least on paper an organization, because we've seen abuse with that. Uh, Case in point, look at the government. We, (laughs) Oh my goodness. We've never given money to the government and wondered what in the world they were doing with it. You know, that's just... It's crazy, um, but, but I get that. I get that there would be some apprehension there. It makes sense to a normal thinking person. These are questions that I would have if I, had, if I was in a spot in my walk with God where I did not yet grasp the big picture and plan for God's generosity to work through our generosity to reach this world for Jesus Christ. The gospel and giving go hand in hand you can't separate them at one of those televangelists I used to I went on the street for a little while where I wanted to have fun with them so I would call in and talk and then they would send me um, these little uh, prophecy letters and all this stuff and you would read it and be like I really feel like God is speaking to you to to have a right now kind of faith and to right now get up and write a check right now to my ministry, right now faith, you know, these crazy play on words that they have. I have one guy who wanted to boost my faith to give, so he sent me, I kid you not, a paper cutout of his hand in the mail for me to lay on my wallet and pray for the faith to give to his ministry. I had it in a box somewhere. I couldn't find it. I would have brought it and showed it to you. That's crazy, isn't it? That's crazy. I have one guy who who sent me a couple of letters, and I never responded to him. So he sent me a penny. He sent me a penny, and he said, I'm going to sow this penny into your life. And I want you to turn around and sow it back into my ministry. And then God's going to bless you with more. And when he blesses you with more, then you turn around and sow that money back into my ministry. One penny. You know what I did? I kept that joker. I kept it. I kept that penny. I actually made money off the con artist televangelist. It's a penny. That might as well be a big Super Bowl trophy, though. I feel like I got something off of that. Um, you can't separate the gospel from giving. In fact, if, if I think if the Bible was a sentence, and Jesus was a subject of that sentence... The repeating verb of the entire Bible would be the word give. Give over and over and over again. You'd see it. John 3.16 puts it like this. Um, we all probably quote this. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God loved, he gave his only Son. It's amazing. God loves us so much that he gave his son so that in showing God's love in our lives we give to impact other people's lives. You can't separate the gospel and giving. Um, the Israelites really understood this. I want to talk to you about this for a little bit. I want to touch on three areas today on why, on why we should give. On why we should give in our lives. The first one is just because he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. The Israelites understood this in the book of Exodus. Um, they had just come out of Egypt, and they were getting ready to build this temple. And if, if you've ever heard a pastor preach on giving, you probably heard this verse come up from time to time. It's like the perfect example of how this is supposed to work. Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Aholiab, if you're looking for great names for your kids, those are two candidates right there. Um, dang, I'm glad we don't... Mm-mm. So, and they, he caught him up in every skilled person to whom the Lord had given the ability and who was willing to come and do the work. Look at what happens here. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people just kept on bringing free will offerings from Morning after morning, these people just kept bringing stuff in. So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work in the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, hey, these people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded us to be done. And Moses gave the order. No man or woman is to make anything else an offering for the sanctuary. Stop it. We're stopping the production line on giving right now. So the people were restrained from bringing more because what they already had, was more than enough to do all the work. And preachers grab that verse, and they say, wouldn't it be great if we had that problem in our church? I think that'd be great if we had that problem in our church. It'd be stinking awesome. Um, But what we see right here is a response from the Israelites to something that had happened in their lives. Before this, they had just been slaves Now think about this. They've been slaves in Egypt for about 430 years. Multiple generations of slaves, slaves, slaves. What are you going to be when you grow up? I'm going to be a slave. What are you going to be when you grow up? I'm going to be a slave. That's all they knew. Slavery, slavery, slavery. Then comes a God who delivers them out of the hold of slavery and sets them free, sets them completely free from slavery, And they finally, they finally, walking out of slavery, God says, oh yeah, by the way, when you walk out, go ahead and ask all the families that are around you, the Egyptian families, to just give you a whole bunch of stuff to to bless you, because I don't want you to leave without money to do something when you get where I'm, I'm sending you to go. So not only did the Israelites leave Egypt, set free by God, they took like a gangster stash, like a pirate stash, of cash and gold and all kinds of junk with them. These people were paying them to get out of their town. So they walked out rich. So now not only are they set free, but God's provided for them when they walked out of Egypt. This God who set them free, now they finally have an opportunity to give back to that God that set them free from slavery in their life. Buddy, they opened the bank. They poured out everything they could to the point where Moses had to say, Guys, 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 it's enough. But they understood. We... We wouldn't be where we are right now if it wasn't for the God that set us free. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'll give to that. A God who set me free from slavery, a God who set me free from bondage, a God who provided for me to get to this place, I'll give him everything that I have. And that's what they were doing. Because he's worthy. Because he's worthy, guys. He's worthy. This is why we give to him. Because, listen, we might not have been a slave in Egypt, but we were a slave to sin. We were caught up in bondage to sin. God has set us free from so much in our lives. So much in our lives. So giving back to Him because of everything that He's given to us, oh my goodness, how much? How much can I do to show appreciation to the God that bled out and died so I wouldn't have to go to hell? What kind of check can I write? What kind of service can I do? How can I give to show my appreciation and somehow preach the gospel and move it forward by my giving and by my generosity? Are you kidding me? Where do I sign up? Because God's done so much in my life. I don't know what he's done in your life, but God has done so much in my life and brought me from so far, so far removed. Dying and depressed and going to hell. He's done so much. Me, He's worthy. He's worthy of everything. So we get this wrong um, in, in church sometimes because when we think about getting saved, we think about how God transitioned us from a bad person to a good person. That's not what Scripture says at all. In Ephesians 2, it puts it like this. It says that we were dead in our transgressions and sin. So God doesn't take a bad person and make him good. He takes a dead person and brings them to life again. Is there anybody in here this morning that was dead and God brought you to life? God restored you and did a work in you. Now tell me that the God that we serve is not worthy of a lifestyle of generosity to show appreciation to Him for everything that He's done in our lives. This is what I know. That a generous heart is always preceded by a thankful heart. A generous heart is always preceded by a thankful heart. This is why giving and the gospel go hand in hand. Because if you don't understand what you've been brought from, you can't show gratitude to the one who brought you out of it. Alright? A lot of us have a disconnect with giving because we don't understand exactly what God's done in our lives, or we don't appreciate it so much. Or maybe we're in a place where we're kind of dabbling with it And we've yet to experience coming over from death to life. Because when God moves you from death to life, you can't help but get excited about what He's done in you. And you can't help but want to do anything you can possibly do to see other people experience that in their lives. You can't have gratitude. You can't have gratitude if you don't have thankfulness. A generous heart is always preceded by a thankful heart. So we give because He's worthy. We give because he's worthy. See, I've always, I've always, through my life, I've always heard the what about giving. Well, you're supposed to give this percentage. Well, you're supposed to do it like this. I've always heard the what, But I've never really seen too many people dig into the why. And once you get the why about giving, once you get the why about generosity, once you understand why all of this works the way that it works in Scripture, you see it in a whole new life. You see it in a whole new light because it switches over from something that's bondage that you feel like you're obligated to do because it's what you're supposed to do to something that you get to do because you understand what God delivered you from. When the Israelites gave in this big offering, they didn't give out of obligation. They gave out of thanksgiving to a God who had done more than they could ever hope and imagine in and through their lives. So number one, yeah, he's absolutely worthy of us to give everything that we have over to Him. He's absolutely worthy of us to live a life of generosity. Whether we're giving time, whether we're giving our talents, whether we're giving our money, He's worthy of it all. The second thing is this, is that He's able. Not only is He worthy, but number two is He's able. He's able. There's a verse in Scripture that I absolutely love. It set me free when I read it. It took so much pressure off of my life in Second Corinthians um, Chapter nine, starting at verse seven, it says, Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves the cheerful giver. And God is look at this, God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God is able. God is able. God is able to provide. God is able to open up doors. God is able to make a way. And I know sometimes we look at, at, at giving, and when we look at our checkbooks, there's, there's, there's some testing there, because for some of us, depending on what our financial state is at the moment, it requires a little bit of faith to step out in. That's why he gave us verses like this, to remind us that when we give, to always know that he is faithful and he is able to provide for us everything that we need. Amen? So he gives us everything. And I, I hear the pushback already working in people's minds. Because if you're like me, I did this for a little while where I gave. And I didn't see mountains move. Like I didn't see the magical unicorns come in. woo With the leprechauns on them just throwing gold out in my house. I didn't see that happening. So I was like, what, what's up with this? I hear all this give, and it'll be given. I heard all this test and and all this stuff in Malachi. If you test and you give, then God's going to open up a floodgate, of blessing on us, and and all of that. I, I heard all of that, and I thought, well, what in the world? Why isn't it working? And maybe you're in that place this morning. Maybe that's your deal where you tried it for a little while. And you didn't see things magically work the way that it was sold to you. And I think that's because we don't do a good job sometimes in church of explaining how all of this works. And there's a big difference. Now, hear me. We don't have time to get into all of this this morning. Maybe we'll come back to this later in the year. And we'll just devote a couple, three, four, five weeks to this whole concept of giving and how, what the Bible has to say about it. This, and it, it'll benefit you. It'll set you free for sure. Um, there's a big difference between the principle of giving and generosity that's in the Bible and the principle of stewardship that's in the Bible. Okay? Big difference. One is my response to God because of what he's done in my life. One is how I give to reach other people with the gospel. One is what I do in obedience. I give, whether it's, it's tithing or above and beyond the tithe, or I'm giving of my time to help someone. All of that stuff's over here. But over here, though, is a principle called stewardship, where I'm responsible for the managing of the blessing and the funds that God has entrusted me with. A lot of times, we get frustrated with this because we're not seeing the response that we want because we haven't figured out how to make stewardship work in our lives. Okay? We like to over-spiritualize things sometimes, like uh, the guy was talking about on the video earlier. But there's a lot of practicality in the function of biblical finances. It does God no good to pour out all the blessing into your bucket if you've got holes all in your bucket and the blessing's pouring out all the time because you can't manage the funds and, and the stuff that God is pouring in. Make sense? Yeah. Sometimes we get aggravated at God because of, we, we, we don't fix the holes in the bucket. So he's pouring stuff out, and we're shooting it right out the door. How do we do that? A lot of different ways. Um, credit card debt. Uh, the difference between buying a quality used vehicle at a good rate, versus buying a new vehicle at a higher interest rate, just because it smells a little bit better on the inside. Um, A lot of us get more house than we need, and so we're spending 40 and 50 percent of our income on a home that's way too big for us, and we're trapped, and if we give and God blesses, we're just shoveling money out on stuff like that. Not to say that God can't bless you, but we've got to manage the blessing when God gives it to us, you know? Um... I heard one guy complaining uh, once about how he gave for a little while, and it was a little while. How long did you give, man? And it turned out to be like three or four weeks, something like that. It's not long enough because you have to also understand the principle of seed time and harvest when it comes to finances and blessings too, all right? Because blessing can do a lot of stuff in your life instantaneously, spiritually, yeah, but, but sometimes it takes time for the return to come back in. That's called seed time and harvest. We don't have time to get into all of that this morning. But maybe one day we will. Would that be fun? Yeah. So he was kind of frustrated because of that and he was like, I got this credit card stuff I'm paying out. I haven't been able to to drop any any of my debt. I haven't seen God send in any money. And I was like, Well, let's let's think about this. And didn't you just get a little bit of a raise? Yeah. He'd actually gotten a raise. Like not too long after he started giving, but he wasn't seeing the money come in. So we were sitting down figuring it out. So, okay, what's the deal? Turns out that he liked to go out to eat every day, and he had started going more frequently since he got the raise and had more money coming in. So, really, yes, yeah. so okay, bro. Well, let's figure this out. So, said, so how much are you spending a day? And back then, he said he was spending about ten bucks a day on food for the five days a week that he was working. All right, whether he grabbed breakfast on the way to work or if he was grabbing lunch while he was at work, whatever the deal was, about ten bucks a day, give or take. I said, okay, ten bucks a day, that turns into fifty bucks a week. Got kind of quiet. Hmm. All right, so fifty bucks a week. Let's take that times fifty-two weeks in the year. Uh, yep, that's fifty. Times 52. Well, that suddenly magically became $2,600 that he was pouring out every year. I'm like, I wonder what $2,600 could have done to your credit card debt. I wonder what $2,600 could have done for a vacation. I wonder what, see, you got the extra stuff in, but you immediately started sending it back out, and you didn't properly manage the blessing that God was bringing in, So you're complaining about something that you created and blaming it on God. God brought it in, but you're spending it, and now you're complaining about your finances when you're the one creating the problem. And a lot of us sit there because we don't understand the difference between stewardship and generosity. Make sense? It's about as practical as it gets right there. And so I get pushed back on that sometimes. I get pushed back sometimes because people say, well, I don't know if I believe in that whole tithing stuff. That's just ridiculous for me to even think about giving 10% of something to the Lord. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I mean, honestly, not to be rude, but I'm like, where do you think all the stuff that you got came from? Well, I work for it. Okay, who gave you the health to work? Who gave you the, the strength to do it? Who gave you the ideas, the concepts for the business? That you've got. Who, who, if we believe everything good comes from the Lord, all the stuff that's benefiting your life came from Him. Don't take credit for something. Now we got to go do the work. I get that. The Bible does say if you don't work, you don't. Yeah. So we got to do our part. But God provides the opportunities and the blessings that come with it. I did that. Uh, you went to do it, but God opened the doors guarantee you, because if God started shutting the doors that he opened for you, I guarantee you, you feel the pressure like that, and you notice the difference instantaneously. You know pretty fast. Um, I don't know about that tithing stuff. Let me just share something with you. All right, If there was just, there's tons of scripture in the Bible that deal with giving and tithing, okay? Old Testament and new, but if there was just one there was just one that I could pick. I picked Matthew 23. And this is Jesus talking. And he's kind of going off on the Pharisees right now, which he loved to do. He said, what do you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites? Look at this. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, you dill, your cumin. You give a tenth of everything. He's talking about tithing. You guys tithe. But you've neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, faithfulness. He's calling them out here. Look what Jesus said. He says, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. In other words, Jesus said you should do both. Jesus, this is Jesus saying, yeah, you should be tithing. And you should also be doing this other stuff too. If this was the only verse in Scripture that dealt with tithing, for me personally, I would still do it. Because this is Jesus. This is Jesus. Who's saying it. Alright. Not Moses. Not Paul. Not, not James. Not Peter. This is Jesus. Who's saying it. If this was the only verse in scripture. I would still do it. I would still do it. Why? Because he's worthy. He's absolutely worthy. And I know that he's able. To do more. He's able to do more. With my 90% that's left over. Than I could with the full 100 Every time. See, this is the lordship issue that Jesus deals with, the Bible deals with in our hearts, because Jesus knew the number one competitor for our heart was going to be our stuff. And he knew that we would never have the spiritual focus that we need to have if we did not put him first in our finances. We'd be chasing after our stuff. This is why Jesus looked at the people and he said, hey, listen, um, you can't serve both God and money not just cash but the pursuit the the pursuit of material things both of them can't be on the throne of your heart so as a check to put that in place he said I want you to put me first seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and I will take care of all these other things that you're worried about that's what he says he's able he's able and and a lot of times we have trouble understanding that but I've, I've discovered through my ministry that how we give with our life is in direct proportion to how we see God. It's a gospel issue. It's a gospel issue. Giving and the gospel go hand in hand. Our giving reflects our perception of God and his ability to provide for us. His ability to take care of us. A lot of the disconnect. I'm not fussing. I'm getting to the why this morning. Just in this little brief time that we have. We're going to dig away all the stuff and the defenses. We're just going to get right down to it, okay? People struggle with giving because of how they view God. They have a warped view of God. They don't understand the father heart of God that wants to take care of his children. And that's why people have struggled with generosity and giving, not just in a church giving in an offering, but with their lives. Because, listen, they don't have the trust birthed out of their relationship with God to operate in. That's why most people don't do it. Because if they did, we'd see a whole lot more than 4% of people consistently giving to the gospel that they say affected their life. Giving and the gospel go hand in hand. Giving in the, did I meddle too much? I didn't meddle too much. You guys are looking at me kind of weird. Giving and the gospel go hand in hand. This is a legit question to ask. I asked myself this question when I finally settled this issue in my heart. Good grief. I don't know, 20 years ago. I, said, I asked myself this question. And I'll ask you. How in the world can we say we've trusted God with eternity, but not with giving? Now that's not a slam you question, that's a, hey, let's think about this for a second question. If I'm trusting God for the forgiveness of my sin through Jesus, I'm putting my entire eternity on that fact right there. And I'm saying Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life. Lord means He's in control. That means I'm going to do what He says. I'm going to trust Him. He's in the seat of authority. If if I'm trusting God with my eternity, how can I say that I'm doing that if I'm not trusting Him with something as petty as giving? See, it exposes a gospel issue. It exposes a gospel issue. What it says is, is that I agree in concept that Jesus is awesome and that he died for me. But I haven't really, I really don't understand death to life. I really don't understand that everything that I have comes from him. And I really don't have a relationship with him that's deep enough for me to have a rooted trust in him to give him control of the money and the finances and the giving or the generosity in my life. That's why we see 4%. That's crazy, huh? How can we say we trusted God with eternity, but not with giving? That's a good question. That's a good question. And the answer is, you really can't. You can't trust Him fully for eternity and not trust Him with finances. You really can't, because you're allowing something to sit. You're sitting in control of that in your heart and in your life. And what people don't realize is you're robbing yourself of a lot of stuff, okay? Forget what Malachi says about the whole curse thing. That's just been played out way too much in church. Is it true? Probably. But that's there just, I think, to accent all the blessing that God said he wanted to pour out on our lives because of our ability to give and trust him. Amen? Amen. Now, the third thing is this. So we've talked about how God's worthy of praise. We've talked about how God is able to provide. And the third thing is this, that when we give, it unlocks a lot of stuff. It unlocks vision, calling, and blessing in our lives. When we give, some, I'm just telling you, when we surrender that over to Jesus, He is able to do something with our lives to impact people on a way and on a scale that we just did, we just would not be able to see before we did it, I would not be here right now if it wasn 't for the generosity of someone else. yeah, no idea who God could impact and change through your generosity, whether it 's giving money, whether it 's giving time, whether it 's volunteering, whether it's it 's serving and helping somebody out, giving your gifts and your talents, whether it 's in the church or helping somebody change a tire. Whatever it is, you just don't know what God's going to do through your generosity. It unlocks vision. There's this guy in the Bible named Barnabas who comes on the scene in the book of Acts around chapter 4, I think, if my memory's as good as I think it is, around chapter 4. Barnabas shows up, and the first thing we hear about him in Scripture is that he's gone and sold a piece of land, and he's taken the money that he got from that land, and he's brought it to the church and said, Here, Let's reach some people with it. I'm probably taking a little bit of poetic license here with this. But in Scripture, the first thing we see Barnabas do is give. But after that, we see Barnabas in the middle of a whole lot of stuff in the Bible. Barnabas was the guy that stood up in front of the apostles and defended Paul and said, hey, this is a guy we can probably trust it wasn't for Barnabas I'm not saying God couldn't have ever done anything with Paul but Barnabas was key in connecting Paul with the apostles in the early part of his ministry he might not have been there if he hadn't operated in a level of generosity that unlocked vision and calling in his life you just don't know Barnabas is out preaching with Paul doing all these missionary journeys God's doing a lot of stuff through his life generosity, generosity and giving biblically settles the lordship issue in our lives once and for all. and says God's in control. And when we take that step and put God in control, God knows he's got our hearts completely. When God's got our hearts completely, now he can do something powerful with us. Generosity and giving unlocks vision and it unlocks a level of calling in your life that you might not have been able to walk into because up until that point, Jesus didn't have complete control of your heart. I'll give him everything but. Everything but is still not complete. See what I'm saying? God wants all of us. He gave all of himself. All of himself. He wants all of us. He's worthy. He's able. When we give it, it unlocks stuff in our lives. It unlocks a level of blessing because I'm telling you, once you operate in obedience to God's word and you're operating correctly as far as stewardship goes in your life, the blessing stuff does play out in your life. It does. It doesn't mean that you get a $100,000 check in the mail. (laughs) That'd be awesome. But it translates over into raises. It translates over into surprise blessings from others. It translates over into maybe your car doesn't break down as much. Maybe this. It translates over into practical, tangible things. That's in Scripture. That's not televangelist kind of stuff. That's in Scripture. That stuff happens. That's God's heart. He wants to do that. It unlocks all of that stuff. But it does things on an individual level. And it allows us to do things as a church. Because when you begin to operate in generosity... Not just giving in an offering here. I'll say that again, okay? Not just giving in an offering here. People get hung up on that, and they always suspect a pastor's motives when when they begin to talk about generosity and giving. Look, man, if you don't trust me, hear me when I say that. If you don't trust me, don't give to this church. Give to a different church. Give to a different church, but give, all right? Now, I believe if God's called you here, you should give where God's called you. Amen? Amen? But look, if your trust issue is me, don't miss out on God's blessing in your life because you don't trust me. I hope we could have coffee and we could get you over that. But I'm saying that to say this. I'm not after your money. All right? This isn't the guilt thing that sometimes pastors or or leaders throw at their people to see a 20% bump in the offering next week. This isn't it. I want to talk about the why this morning because when we understand the why that's behind all of this, it fixes a whole lot of stuff in our lives. I shouldn't have to guilt you into doing something that God wants to use to transform your life. You understand that? See how that works? So, it's not about getting a bump in money. This is about, this is about what we could do with it. Because individually, can you imagine how God could begin to use your life if we operated on a level of generosity that we hadn't before? If we wrote the extra money on the tip at the restaurant? And bless the server? Generosity, baby. It's right there. To put the money in the envelope and give it to somebody that you know is struggling just because. Generosity blesses their life. You never know what God can do with something like that in a person's life. And, and really, you never know what God can do in your life and in your heart when you begin to trust Him and operate that way. Because I tell you this, it's addictive. When you begin to see what God does through you to somebody and just to change their their life, to minister to them in a moment through generosity, man, it impacts you. You're never the same again. It's as close as we can get on this earth to reflecting the heart of God because the gospel is all about giving. And God said that if you step out and you trust me and you live a life of generosity, I'm going to pour it right back into you because now you got it. Now you got it. Now I know I got a funnel out there that I can pour my blessing through to see lives impacted and changed. How many people are out there that you can lead to the Lord just by being a generous person? And giving your time, your gifts, your talents, and your money to bless their lives. Think about us as a church. I mean, imagine if we all, if we all stepped out and trusted God and gave the way that he wants us to in our offerings here Can you imagine the impact that our church could have in the lives of people? Could you imagine the families we could reach? Could you imagine the students that we could put on just a straight course with a relationship with God? Could you imagine imagine how we could support other ministries in the area like the Pregnancy Resource Center? They're just reaching people right now. With the gospel. I would pour a million dollars a week into that ministry because it's so beneficial. You imagine what we could do? You imagine how many churches we could build? How many churches we could plant? How many missionary trips we could take? Because when we operate in obedience to what God wants us to do, it changes everything. It changes everything. I would love for Life Point Church to be a church that helps churches get started. I would love for LifePoint Church to be a church that can write a check to a struggling church and say, you got the vision, you got the passion, but your vision and your passion are just a little bit ahead of the money. We want to bridge the gap and help you tear this world up for Jesus Christ. That'd be awesome. How many homes could we build for families that are in need? Think about that. How many times could we buy groceries for a single mom that is just working her brains out, trying to make ends meet, and it's still coming up short? who's loving God and giving, wouldn't it be awesome for Life Point Church to be able to write a check and say, here, God bless you. No strings attached. We just want to be generous and take some pressure off of you in a time of need. There's so much we could do. There's so much we could do as a church. So many ministries we could birth. There's so many outreaches that we could do as a church if we all gave and we all gave with vision. Why? Not so we can do stuff. Not so the church could have more money. But we've got, we've got to tear down the mental barrier right here. Right here. That psychs us out from freely giving to our God. Why? Because he's worthy. Because he's brought us from death to life. Because he's able to provide for us when we step out and trust him. And when we do that, then that unlocks a whole new level of vision. A whole new level of calling. And a whole new level. A whole new level of what we could do for reaching this world for Jesus. Amen? Last thought is this. Because you can't separate. You can't separate the gospel and the lifestyle of generosity and giving. You just can't do it. You can't separate them. They are all in one. Because the gospel in itself is a gift to us make sense so if you're wondering why give this is a good why it's a good why because giving and the gospel go hand in hand when we understand the gospel the way God put it out there it changes us on the inside and we want to give back to that God and when we give back to that God we're able to take the gospel we say we will believe in and get it out to the people that so desperately need it. See, it's not about whether or not you keep your 20 bucks because you need to eat it. It's, it's about what God can do with that obedience and what God can do with that $20 to reach and impact somebody's life that might go to hell. What right? This is just cutting right to the heart. of. It. If God's done so much in us and asked for so little from us, what right do we have To hold on to this little bit and deny God the opportunity to reach so many people because we don't feel comfortable enough to trust Him. Now think about it. The God who gave everything for us, called us to live a life of generosity and giving. To set us free, to bless us, but more importantly, to impact the lives of other people. Amen? Stand to your feet as we close this morning.